There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. So dynamic, so magnetic, so effervescent, so full of energy and vitality. Is it Herman? No. Is it Sherman? No. Is it Eddie? Is it Freddie? Oh, no, no, no. Is it Hart? Is it Schaffner? Is it Marks, perhaps? Oh, you'll never, never guess it. Don't snap your cap. It's just Miss Judy Garland. Here's the little gal who's earned a number one priority in your pinup department, both in your barracks wall and in your heart, Judy Garland. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart strings from the moment I saw him I fell. Hey, Judy fans, this is Mindy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next up in our series featuring Judy Garland is her appearance on The Bing Crosby Show. This one aired March 28th, 1951. It is the final of a four-week stretch that she was the featured guest on his show, completely designed by Bing to build up excitement and Judy's confidence for her overseas tour. Again, with the great singing, again, with the great personality and energy and Again, finally, they bring back some Bob Hope jokes. I had missed those in the the previous episodes. And I guess Bob was doing a tour of his own, and Judy and Bob had expected to cross paths and be able to meet up uh, somewhere along the way in England and other spots. So back in those days, Judy, Bob, and Bing could never truly get away from each other, no matter where they were in the world. Um, they also had some jokes about Bing's Pittsburgh Pirates. I had read before that he was involved in baseball. I wasn't too sure on the details, but yeah, he was, uh, had purchased stock in the Pirates in 1947 and he had some ownership and involvement all the way through the 1960s. And during that time, there were two World Series titles the most famous being 1960, Pirates and Yankees. I am not a baseball fan, per se. I grew up outside of Cincinnati, so I root for the Reds. I always watched them growing up. But yeah, this is all new information for me. Maybe the baseball fans listening, probably not so much. But really thrilling game to read about. I haven't even seen clips, but just to read about it. It was, uh, you know, game seven, ninth inning, tied 9-9, and... <laughs> Here comes some average hitter that nobody expected, I guess, to be the hero going into that World Series, but Bill Mazeroski, I apologize if I said that wrong, and uh, yeah, he hits a home run, wins the whole whole thing. It's what you play in the backyard. It's like bottom of the ninth, tied down. You know, it's just that magical moment, and uh, what's so interesting about it, the reason I even bring it up is... Bing was superstitious. 
he didn't actually go to Pittsburgh to watch games because they lost every time he went. So he would only see them when they were on the road. And he was also nervous to watch them, particularly in these high pressure situations. So he was in Paris with his wife. They did not watch it live. And back then there was no YouTube, there was no replay, there was no sports center. There was no way to see, except maybe a news clip here and there, you know, the entirety of the game. And so he had an assistant tape it from the live broadcast so he could watch it when he got home, just in case something spectacular happened. (laughs) And so that ended up being this priceless gift to baseball fans, because prior to 1965, it was up to the home field to record the game in its entirety. And most of them didn't have the money and the equipment to do it. So it's one of the few games that you can watch from that era. And it happened to be what many consider to be the greatest baseball game of all time. Because Bing Crosby was superstitious. They actually got to watch it and it made a lot of people really, really happy. <laughs> then speaking of greatest of all time, the the concert goat contended would be Judy at the Palladium, uh, her opening show, April 9th, 1951. And we have, I, I'm not sure if it's its entirety, but I, I listen to clips here and there. Uh, we have some recordings from that night, that concert that is still talked about and actually movies are being made about coming up. We've talked about that as well. Um, we'll kind of catch up with her there, really get into the ins and outs of that concert and how it's being memorialized in film yet again. And just really the impact it had in the music industry and her life. And I mean, just really pop culture for decades to the current day so a lot to look forward to there the the clips I heard she sounds outstanding she sounds exactly like you would expect someone who is regarded as one of the best live performers in history to sound so I'm I'm really excited that we're going to be able to bring that to you next time but she gets a great send-off here from her good buddy Bing and anticipation of running into Bob so from March 28th 1951 This is Judy Garland making her final pre-concert glory appearance on The Bing Crosby Show. For you, what every smoker wants. Mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. By Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves its case. Yes, Chesterfield's a milder, milder plus no aftertaste. Oh, open a pack and give them a sniff. Then you'll smoke them. Someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter. Welcome you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins of the Mayors, and Bing's guest, Miss Judy Garland. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, last Wednesday on this very program, I went out on a limb to report that it was March 21st and the first day of spring. And tonight, I'd like to back up that report by stating that this is the seventh day of spring. Is that your first exclusive, Luella? (laughs) 
Yes, sir. Well, that's what I feel this show needs, Bing. Hmm? News flashes. Ah. Why, if we give the folks hot news, everybody will tune in on us. I guess. Like they do for Winchell, Parsons, Hopper, Keith Alver. Oh, Keith Alver doesn't do a news program. That's a quiz show. They even have a mystery tune. <laughs> A mystery tune? Yeah. What, what it is? How can you believe me when I say I don't remember when you know I've been a liar all my life? <laughs> and so on and so on. Oh, my. no good luck. Yeah. Well, the way things are going for most of the boys, I thought it might be good night, Irene. Yes. <laughs> and high time, too. But to go on to more pleasant and healthier things in this great land of ours... Have you seen, uh, Ken, any of the, the big league baseball teams that are playing exhibition games out here in California? Oh, You've caught sure. some of the big clubs? Naturally. Who I've seen? seen the New York Yankees play, Chicago White Sox, mm -hmm. Chicago Cubs, Cleveland Indians, and the St. Louis Browns. Ken, I don't want to be hammy or anything, but aren't you overlooking another team that's playing out here? Of whom I happen to be the vice president, the Pittsburgh Pirates? Hmm? Well, Bing, somehow or other, I never associate the Pittsburgh Pirates with baseball. <laughs> Oh, all those, just like all the other wise guys. Now, you're going to rib me about the pirates. A little bit, yeah. Now, I'll admit that last season we didn't do too well, but this year I'm taking an active interest in the team. Good. Yes, sir. Mr. Ricky has put me on as the new relief man. Well, congratulations. Are you the relief pitcher? No, just the relief man. Every time the pirates win a game, I jump up and yell, Wow, what a relief. <laughs> Bing, I think Branch Ricky should put you in a more active job. You may not have to jump up all season. <laughs> Listen, old boy, will you hold still for a little statistical information? I will. What is it? May I tell you, dear boy, that one week ago last Monday at Wrigley Field in Los Angeles, the Pittsburgh Pirates beat Mr. Hope's Cleveland Indians by a score of 4-2. to two. Oh, well, so the Pirates beat Cleveland 4-2. to two. What does that prove? What does it prove? It proves that Pittsburgh is twice as good as Cleveland. Uh-huh. Now, um... On the day after Pittsburgh beat Cleveland 4-2, uh -huh. the San Diego team yeah. beat Pittsburgh 12-1. to uh, Isn't that true? I refuse to answer on the grounds it might incriminate me. Now look, Mr. C., it's uh -huh. a matter of public record. It was on the sports page of every newspaper. San Diego beat the Pirates 12-1. to How do you account for that? Well, you know how that happened? How? It just happens that the Pittsburgh Pirates were overwhelmed with patriotism. Oh. You see, as we drove by the Naval Training Station down there, eight of our very best players jumped off the bus and joined the Navy. Well, I guess they figured they wanted to be on a winning team. <laughs> That's not it. It's just that young ball players are, are impulsive. Mm. We drove by the Fox Studio one day, and six of them jumped off and joined Betty Grable. <laughs> Only six of them? Well, there's seven, counting me. <laughs> See, that mm. reminds me. I understand the Pirates are going to make a movie out of MGM. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's called The Angels and the Pirates. Paul Douglas is going to be starred in it. Well, a good picture wouldn't hurt the Pirates. good picture wouldn't hurt me, either. <laughs> well, uh, why don't... Uh... That laughter in the band is yes. of a snide <laughs> quality. This is sinister, wasn't it? Yes. Hollow, hollow laughter. Bing, uh... Huh. Why don't you get into the picture with the pirates? I tried to, Ken. I went out to Metro. I made a screen test, but someone else got the part. Who? Janet Lee. <laughs> well, she's a nice kid. I guess so, but I just can't see Janet on third base. No. Matter of fact, although I do have a small part in the picture, in the very last scene in the picture, I jump up and yell, Wow, what a relief. <laughs> well, I'm glad the picture has a happy ending. Oh, me too, Ken. And now to be real neat here, sort of tie things together, I think I'd better get on to a happy beginning with the rhythm errors. Our opening number tonight is a quaint little thing. Titled Sparrow in the Treetop. John Scott, we're ready for the opening pitch. High and on the outside. <laughs> 
in the treetop, sparrow in the treetop, though he loves his mate. Sparrow in the treetop, sparrow in the treetop, scared of going home because it's too darn late. Don't look at me, sweetheart, with scorn in your eyes. I've been out all night, ain't gonna tell you no lies. I stopped in one place, I heard him singing a song. Like a lonely sparrow, I started singing along. Just a singing sparrow in the treetop, sparrow in the treetop, all he loves is singing in the tavern, sparrow in the treetop, sparrow in the treetop, singing a song In walked a blonde and dear, she asked me to dance. I told that blonde. No, no, that there wasn't a chance. That there wasn't a chance. I love my kids and my beautiful wife. Is that the honest truth, dear? Well, I swear by my life. I kept a singing in the tavern. All night sitting in the tavern. Sparrow in the tavern. Say, um, Bing, uh, it just occurred to me that you and Bob Hope are rivals at baseball, golf, just about everything under the sun, yeah. except where Chesterfields are concerned. That's true, Ken. When it comes to Chesterfields, Rotund, Robert, and I are brothers under the cellophane. <laughs> well, Bing, that reminds me of another story where Chesterfields brought two people together. It that? happens in MGM's new picture, Teresa. That's all about a G.I. Joe and an Italian girl, played by Pierangeli. And a pack of Chesterfields uh, plays Cupid, don't huh, you? That's right. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to tell you how and spoil the story no, for you. That. But seriously, friends, it's one of the most touching love stories ever screened, MGM's Teresa. Well, I'll have to catch it, Ken, when it comes around to our local cinema. Do that. But let's not overlook the fact that beside being a great matchmaker, Chesterfield is also a great smoke. In the first place, Chesterfields are made in the world's newest and most modern cigarette factories, where they're made exactly right. Second, Chesterfield gives you all the benefits of advanced research in the world's newest and most modern research laboratories. Third, Chesterfields are milder, and as proof, 1,500 prominent tobacco growers say, Chesterfield is the cigarette that smells milder and therefore smokes milder. And fourth, Chesterfield leaves no unpleasant aftertaste. The taste panel told us that. Well, sir, there you have the complete Chesterfield story. As you can see, Chesterfields have everything, everything that every smoker wants. So always buy Chesterfield. If they made me a king, I'd be but a slave to you. If I had everything, I'd still be a slave to you. If I rule the night, stars and moon so bright, 
Till I turn for light to you If the world to me bowed Yet humbly I'd plead to you If my friends were a crowd I'd turn in my need to you If I ruled the earth What would life be worth If I hadn't the right To you Folks, thank you, Rhythm Now, folks, here's our very charming guest, Miss Judy Garland. <laughs> Hiya, Bing. Hey, Judy, aren't you thrilled? Aren't you just in a regular tizzy, leaving for England tomorrow? Oh, anyway? that's right, Bing. I'm off to London to play the Palladium. Boy, this is really something, huh? Quite an event. Well, I've, you know, I, I've never traveled much. I... I even get excited when I take a ride on the Sunset Bus. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Pretty game guy to board that. But you've got a lot to look forward to in London. Why, why you can even visit Bob Hope's birthplace, the oh. trap where Flab saw the light of day first. <laughs> be grand? That's right. I must visit Bob's birthplace. Oh, but listen, don't go on Friday. No? Bad day. You'll never get in. It's, it's a mackerel market now, you know. <laughs> in London while I'm there. Bob will be there? Oh, joy. <laughs> oh, that such joy could come to Oh, you're lucky, you <laughs> Oh, I would that I were you. Oh, to be in London now that Hope is here. Oh. I think it'll be nice to have a big brother to look after me while I'm alone in a strange city. Well, if Bob's going to be there, you'll need a big brother. <laughs> Real big oh, one. I don't know, Bing. You know, Bob's slowed down quite a bit lately. That's impossible, Judy. The world may have speeded up, but Bob hasn't slowed down. He's got great vitality, that boy. He hasn't even resorted to yammy yogurt yet. Oh, he's amazing, isn't, isn't he? he? That's the right adjective. Amazing is right. When you consider that only 40 years ago, he started out in London as a mackerel. <laughs> That's what he did. And today he's one of the biggest sharks in the United States. Shot. Well, you wouldn't understand. You don't shoot pool, kid, but he's a shot. If I'm not a hit in London, I may have to learn how. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. You're a hit anywhere. Now, what about a song, Judy, tonight? Now, what would you like, Ben? You know the one I'd like to hear? I'm sure everyone listening concurs, too, because it's one you did on the show here a couple of weeks ago, and it was a big buff. <laughs> rockabye, your baby, with a rockabye. <laughs> Dixie Melody? Yes, with a Rockabye, your baby with the Dixie melody. When you croon, croon a tune from the heart of Dixie. 
must hang my cradle, mammy mine, right on that Mason Dixon line, and swing it from Virginia to Tennessee with all the love that's in you. Weep no more, my lady. For me, sing all black joy, just as all you had me on your knee. A million baby kisses I'll deliver if you will only sing that Swanee River rockabye. Rock-a-bye, baby, with a Dixie melody. Oh, weep no more, my lady. Sing that song again for me. Sing all black joy, just as all you had me on your knee. I'll deliver If you will only play that Swanee River Rock-a-bye Your rock-a-bye baby With a Dixie Melody Thing. Judy, Judy that'll, that'll knock him cold at the Palladium. You'll have him in sections over there. <laughs> You're going to do a few English songs, though, aren't you? Oh, sure. Which ones are you going to do, Judy? Well, I'm going to sing, I taught, I taught a putty tat. <laughs> That's English? Certainly. <laughs> okay, putty tat at English, then. <laughs> I'm going to do a great old English song, Which then. one's that? Limehouse oh, Blues. Oh, Limehouse, oh, I know yeah. that tune, Judy. Of course, that was written way back in the days when the Limehouse District in London was evil and sinister and dangerous. <laughs> Why, it was even worse than Bel Air on Saturday night. <laughs> thing, that, there's nothing dangerous about Bel Air. It's a very swanky residential neighborhood. Not dangerous. <laughs> well, what a <laughs> new delivery. <laughs> well, not dangerous. I knew a fellow who was walking through Bel Air minding his own business. He was putting good housekeeping seals of approval on garbage cans when... All of a sudden, a kid zoomed up behind him in a Cadillac and knocked him over a $10,000 mink tennis net into a marble swimming pool where he drowned in a lukewarm champagne. And you say Bel Air is in danger. <laughs> Thank you, Somerset Maugh. <laughs> we enjoyed your play very much. I have another interesting anecdote about a rubber planter who falls in love with the native daughter of a hamster breeder in the San Fernando Valley. But I'm afraid I just don't have time for it. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, <laughs> do you have time to rehearse me a little on Limehouse Blues? Oh, we can do a little of it. John Scott, do you know how to start this affair? Mm-hmm. 
Limehouse Kid, oh, 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 Limehouse Kid, going the way that the rest of them did. For broken blossom and nobody's child, haunting and taunting, you're just kind of wild. Oh, Limehouse Blues, I've the real Limehouse Blues. Learn down in Limehouse those sad China blues. Rings on your finger and tears for your crown. That is the story of old China. I was wondering, uh, uh, what are you going to do after you finish your um, engagement in London at the Palladium? You're going over to Paris, aren't you, Judy? Oui, oui. Oh, you talk like a native already. <laughs> hey, do you know any good restaurants in Paris, Bing? You have come to the right man. Mm -hmm. I have checked with John Trotter, and I have a complete list for you. <laughs> the very first day you're in Paris, Judy, I want you to go out to a favorite place of mine called Chez Anna for lunch. Okay. Here's what you should order. Pâté de maison, that's goose liver. <laughs> then biscomade, that's lobster soup. Adicovero bear, string beans with that wonderful French butter. Then you should have uh, poulet au vin blanc. That's chicken in white wine. Well, should I order all that? Oh, yes, but for goodness sake, let me tell you something. Don't let them talk to you into les chat princesse et les bon Why not? That's putty tat. <laughs> Do not go for that item. Start it. Oh, oh my. <laughs> Well, there's a dish I, I, I'm going to be sure to duck. Oh, the duck is delicious. <laughs> Judy, I really envy you. Gosh, Paris in the spring, April in Paris. Well, that's not a bad tune, either. Well, let's slip into it, just like we were cute. <laughs> April in Paris. Chestnuts in blossom. Holiday tables. Under the trees April in Paris This is a feeling No one can ever Rebreathe I never knew the charm of spring Never met it face to face. I never knew my heart could sing. Never missed a warm embrace till April in Paris. Whom shall I run to? What have you done to? My heart. Well, I'd like to be there right now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice sitting at one of those sidewalk cafes watching people from all over the world strolling down the boulevard as I sit there sipping on Lee Coca Cola? <laughs> says here, without a disturbing thought in my mind. 
without a worry in the world. Say, Bing, how about Italy? Oh, Rome, Milan, Venice, Florence. Can you tell me a good Italian restaurant to go to? Sure, Nino and Nella's, Greenwich Village, New York. <laughs> but according to Henry McLemore, I've been reading Henry a lot lately. He's over there, he's overseas, and he's been writing some great columns, some wonderful stories recently in his column about the Isle of Capri. Well, I guess we've arrived at another pretty good song. Would you care to start it? I think we've planted it adequately. <laughs> T'was on the Isle of Capri that I found her Beneath the shade of an old walnut tree Oh, I can still see the flowers blooming round her Where, Where we met on the Isle of Capri she was as sweet as a rose at the dawning But somehow fate hadn't meant her for me And though you sailed with the tide in the morning Still my heart's on the Isle of Capri Summertime was nearly over Blue Italian sky above I said, lady, I'm a rover Can you spare a sweet word of love? She whispered softly, it's best not to linger And then as I kissed her hand, I could see She wore a plain golden ring on her finger was goodbye on the Isle of Capri. By Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves his case. Yes, Chesterfield's a mother, mother, plus no aftertaste. Oh, ho, open the pack, give him a sniff, then you'll smoke him. <laughs> oh, you were wonderful. Judy, you sang that beautiful. We put you on steady. Just That's all you do is sing that one line. Ah. How about telling the gentle people why you're such an enthusiastic Chesterfield fan? Oh, it's you? not a very complicated thing. I like them. I smoke them because of all cigarettes. Chesterfield's my choice. You go for that mildness, I eh? sure do. Smart girl. Yes, sir, smart girl. Folks, buy a pack of milder Chesterfields, and I'll wager you'll agree with Miss Garland. You'll always buy Chesterfields because they have, for you, what every smoker wants. Mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. 1,500 prominent tobacco growers have proven Chesterfield's mildness. And the country's first and only cigarette taste panel proved that Chesterfields leave no unpleasant aftertaste. So get with them right quick, huh? Chesterfield. A lovely new song, product of the collaboration, songwriting collaboration between John Scott Trotter and Tom Adair. Any town is Paris when you're young. In any sky, a dreamer's moon is hung. Every love's a one love, 
that you swear you'll never leave And the gypsy spell of spring is yours to weave All the world is magic when you're young Every song the sweetest ever sung Every street is lover's lane Where wishing stars are strung And any town is Paris when you're young for the night. <laughs> Thank you, folks. That represents the sum and substance of tonight's soiree. Judy, it's really been a lot of fun. I want to tell you this honestly and sincerely to do all these shows with you lately. We're going to miss you, too, while you're away. Oh, thank you, Bing. Bon voyage, Judy. Thank you, Bing. Good night. Yes, smash. <laughs> Good night, folks. See you next week for Chesterfield. The best cigarette for you to smoke. The Bing Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Hopalong Cassidy, Dinah Shore, and Jack Pepper.
Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter and his orchestra and chorus, the charioteers, the magic piano fingers of Radio Eddie Duchin, and Bing's special guests for tonight, Georgia Gibbs and the man who comes in like a lamb and goes out like MGM's lion, Frank Morgan. And here, backed up by the charioteers, is Bing. <laughs> There's a doctor living in your town, lawyer and Indian too. He's a doctor, lawyer, or Indian chief, could love you any more than I do. There's a barrel of fish in the ocean, a lot of little birds in the blue. Neither fish nor fowl, says the wise old owl, could love you any more than I do. No, 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 it couldn't be true That anyone else could love you like I do I'm gonna warn all the dead-eyed dicks That you're the chick with the flickest tricks And every tick of my ticker ticks for you Why don't you follow through? Tell the doctor to stick to his practice Tell the lawyer to settle his case Send the engine chief and his Tommy Hawk Back to the rain in the face Cause you know, no, no, that it couldn't be true That anyone else could love you like I do Oh, no, no, it couldn't be true Confidentially, I confess I sent a note to the local press That I'll be changing my home address for you Why don't you follow through? Tell the doctor to stick to his practice Tell the lawyer to settle his case And the Indian chief and his Tommy Hawk Back to little rain in the face Cause you know, no, no, it couldn't be true. True that is, that anyone else could love you like I do. Bing, I want to congratulate you. What for? Well, you're a real trooper to show up here tonight. I understand you're not feeling well. Where'd you come up with that kind of scuttle, Ken? I feel sharp enough to go bear hunting with a switch tonight. Uh, happy past <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to hear that because I heard someone on the air last Sunday say you were heading for the last roundup. Were you that? ill last Sunday? Sunday? Let me uh, see. Well, I was a little quick in the morning, yeah. but I rallied. <laughs> in the afternoon, I went to the ball game. I ate four hot dogs with mustard on the top there, Maya. Mm-hmm. Two bags of peanuts had a foul ball bounce off my head, but fortunately, I was wearing my heavy-duty beanie in it. <laughs> I didn't feel it. The foul ball, that is. I felt the hot dog, son. <laughs> Yeah, don't we all? Right now, I could run around the block, get my breath back in time to sing next Thursday. I swear. Oh, that's marvelous. Hi, fellas. Monsieur Duchesne, comment portez-vous ce soir? No, What are you looking so cunning about? Are you plotting something, Edouard? Am I? Yeah. Hey, boy, I have got an April Fool's joke on my girl. 
What cagey bit of cupidity have you contrived? Well, I got a beautiful box all wrapped up pretty, and I'm going to tell her it's a pair of nylons. And the box is empty. No, there's a pair of nylons in it. But where's the April Fool? It's a pair of nylon toothbrushes. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, your girl should love toothbrushes. Now she'll have one for each tooth. Oh, no. <laughs> well, she has more than two, but... But they're in back where you can't see them. Well, I must catch her someday when she's yawning and give her a recount. <laughs> Bing, you remember last April 1st when Bob Hope gave you that cigar that exploded in your face? Oh, yeah, he's a card. <laughs> he is a <laughs> man. The smoke spelled out Irium. I'm working on one myself. I'm going to spell Velveeta or Miracle Whip or something. But let's forget about trickery for the nonce. What's cooking on the piano tonight, Eddie? Well, Bing, I thought I'd play a medley of the very thought of you mm-hmm. and all the things you are. Well, I think that's dandy. Oh, I do.
Eduardo. Kind of work I used to do. A few weeks back, the ensemble here at the hall served the customers with a slice of shoe fly pie. Since then, there have been numerous requests for another helping. We got the griddle greased and we're ready to go, but first the guy with the thought on what to buy. Some of you homemakers are having a sandwich spread problem these days. Yes, what to spread on those slices of bread to make them tempting and more nutritious. Well, remember, when you use the smooth, creamy-tasting Kraft cheese spreads, that's all the filling your sandwiches need. Kraft pimento, olive pimento, relish, and pineapple cheese spreads put in both wonderful flavor and a rich-tasting goodness, too. And they're nutritious dairy foods, you know. Of course, for snacks, you can't beat golden old English, zestful roca, and that hearty Kraft Limburger spread that's such a hit with men folks. These seven delicious Kraft cheese spreads are America's favorites for snacks and sandwiches. At the food store tomorrow, pick out your family's favorite Kraft varieties. Fly pie. Apple pan dowdy makes your eyes bug out. Your tummy say howdy. Shoe fly pie. Apple pan dowdy. I never get enough of that wonderful stuff. Shoe fly pie. Apple pan dowdy makes the sun come out when the heavens are cloudy. Shoe fly pie. An apple pan dowdy. I never get enough of that wonderful stuff. Mama, when you bake, Mama, cancel my cake, Mama. For my sake, go to the oven, make up some ever-loving. You black pie, an apple pan, dowdy makes your eyes bug out. You tell me, say, howdy. You fly pie, an apple pan, dowdy. I never get enough of that wonderful stuff. Shoe fly pie, an apple pan, darling. 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 Shoe fly pie, an
grab a listen to the Danny Kay airing every week are familiar with the enchanting chanteurs who graces the hall this evening. One of the loveliest voices on the radio, affectionately known to many as her nibs, Miss Gibbs. <laughs> welcome to, welcome to KMH, Georgia. Well, it's nice to be here. The pleasure is ours. And what are you going to warble for us? I can't begin to tell you. But I insist. <laughs> Thank you very much. I give you now the mighty charioteers with the beautiful spiritual in his care.
has come to present the man who lately has achieved great fame as the personage who put mustard on little Abner's 6,000 ham sandwiches. <laughs> Frank Morgan. Well, thank you, and a fitting reception for a man who just received a high honor from his fan club. Yeah? You undoubtedly heard about the Aga Khan receiving his weight in diamonds. Yes. Well, last week, my fan club took a cue from him. They put me on a scale and matched my weight with a barrel of rare old Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> my goodness, how did you ever get all that bourbon home? <laughs> Who says I've been home? <laughs> Has Ray Milan been writing my script? <laughs> well, anyway, it's very good to see you again, Francois. And it's good to see you, Bing. You're a marvelous host. It reminds me of the days when I myself was the unchallenged host to the nation and operated one of the world's most resplendent hostelries. You a Boniface? Hmm. Frank, I, I refuse to believe that you were ever in the hotel business. <laughs> and, I, and I doubt very much that you ever made an honest dollar in your entire life. <laughs> well, thanks anyway, but flattery will get you nowhere. <laughs> My first recollection of entering the hotel business was when I was at a very awkward age. Just what is the awkward age in the hotel business? Too tall for keyholes and too short for transoms. <laughs> Part of my success was due to the personal interest I took in each and every guest. I'll never forget one day when I showed a man his room. Courteously, I said, that door there, sir, leads into your closet. And he replied, but I think that door leads to the elevator shaft. Elevator shaft, indeed. That's your closet. See for yourself. Okay. Go on in. Okay. <laughs> Well, just don't lie there. Hang up your coat. <laughs> Returning to my sumptuous Louis XIV Renaissance desk and starting to work, I was interrupted by an elderly gentleman who came up to me and with a benign look in his eye said, Mr. Morgan, yeah? 35 years ago, my wife and I spent our honeymoon in this hotel. Well, think of that. I'll never forget it. Mm. Them was the happiest days of my life. Mm. We stayed up in room 304, and, well, I came back because I've always wanted to take a look in that room again. Ah, <laughs> to bring back old memories? No, you see, when I left, I forgot my wife. I thought she might still be there. <laughs> I told those chambermaids not to put those wall beds up so fast. <laughs> Running a big hotel has its problems. One day, my room clerk came up to me and said... Uh, Mr. Morgan, the man who just rented the penthouse says the roof is leaking. Well, send up a cork immediately. Well, where will I get a cork? Uh, I happen to have one right here in my pocket. <laughs> uh, 
I'll have to be careful when I walk. <laughs> oh, uh, bellboy, front and center. Bellboy, come here. Yeah, Mr. Morgan. Mr. A.J. Cronin just checked in, and I want to be able to talk to him intelligently about something he's written. Did you see his latest MGM picture, The Green Years? Everybody says it's swell. Yep, I saw The Green Years. Well, how'd you like it? Can't say I'm colorblind. <laughs> Remembering that I had called the plumber to check for a gas leak, I went to the stairway and shouted down, Oh, plumber, what are you doing? And he replied, I'm lighting the gas in the basement. Where are you now? Up on the flagpole. <laughs> Lowering to him to half mast, I noticed that it was dinner time and sorted into the dining room to see that everything was running smoothly. But on the contrary, a woman eating at a corner table had swallowed a fishbone and turning blue and choking violently, she gasped to the waiter, I'm dying. Bring me water. Water. And he answered, Sorry, lady, this ain't my table. <laughs> This resulted in a lawsuit, and my name was dragged through the courts, forcing me to leave the hotel business. I was forced to become a motion picture actor, and my greatest success was scored in the picture Saratoga Trunk. Up, 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 where up, I went... Time, where time, I, time. Huh? Time. Well, I caught that picture, Frank, and hmm. I didn't see you in Saratoga Trunk. Well, of course not. The lid was down. Yeah, no. <laughs> While the mighty Morgan is scurrying to the nearest real estate office to unload his fiasco, Magic Fingers, Duchin, and is going to join me in an oldie, but a goodie, Paper Moon. Say it's only a paper moon Sailing over a cardboard sea But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believe in me Yes, it's only a canvas gown Hanging over a muslin tree But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believe in me Without your love It's a honky-tonk parade Without your love It's a melody played in a penny arcade It's a Barnum and Bailey world Just as phony as it can be But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believed in me
honky-tonk parade Without your love It's a melody played in a penny arcade It's a peachy Barnum and Bailey world Just as phony as it can be But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believed in me Thank you, Eddie. Your course is swell. Up there in the number one slot, or close there too, is one of the nation's top tunes, the melodic chanson, Oh, What It Seemed to Be. John Scott and I plan to give it the full treatment in a mo, but first a man in the mood to talk about feud. Food, food. At your house, do you have a young man who sometimes springs something like this on a Friday or Saturday about 6.45 p.m.? Say, Mom, how's for me bringing home the gang after the movie? For a little feed or something? You won't hesitate a moment about that if your refrigerator holds three or four kinds of Kraft cheese spread. Some cold Cokes or hot cocoa, a plate of crackers, and those delicious Kraft cheese spreads make party refreshments in a hurry. And by the way, that goes for grown-up parties as well as the gang. You see, Kraft gives you a wonderful assortment of seven different kinds of cheese spreads. Some of them have a temptingly mild, creamy flavor. Others have a zippier taste. When you set out a little assortment with crackers, potato chips, or rye bread, you please everybody. So remember, you too can be prepared for any unexpected emergency at any time. Let Kraft cheese spreads help you with hurry-up snacks and swell-eating lunchtime sandwiches. When you buy cheese spreads, look for the Kraft name for quality. It was just a neighborhood dance That's all that it was But oh, what it seemed to be It was like a masquerade ball Costumes and all Cause you were at the dance with me It was just a ride on a train That's all it was But oh, what it seemed to be It was like a trip to the stars To Venus and Mars Cause you were on the train And when I kissed you, darling, it was more than just a thrill for me. It was the promise, darling, of the things that fated will for me. It was just the wedding in June That's all that it was But oh, what it seemed to be It was like a royal affair With everyone there Cause you said, yes I do next week again, the same time, the same place. Adios.
Tune in the Craft Music Hall next Thursday. And here Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter, and his orchestra and chorus, the charioteers, Eddie Duchin, and as our special guest, we've asked Georgia Gibbs to rejoin us and also back again for return visit Frank Morgan. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Now that spring is here, you'll want to add a bright new flavor touch to your menus. Blend tangy golden craft salad mustard into delicious fillings for deviled eggs, into luscious cheese fondues and Welsh rabbits, or into a tasty barbecue sauce. They're all extra inviting when you add the golden flavor tang of craft salad mustard. And sharpen appetites, too, with this other popular variety, the craft mustard with snappy horseradish added. Put both of these delicious craft mustards on your shopping list tomorrow. <laughs> This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents Victor Herbert's colorful gypsy operetta, The Fortune Teller, starring Gordon McRae and his guest, lovely Nadine Connor. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In the world of comic opera, there's one magic name, Victor Herbert. Tonight, Nadine Connor plays the lovely Musette, and I shall be a gypsy named Candle as we bring you The Fortune Teller. Ah, fresco. And you lovely lady. 
You uh, know, all you beautiful girls have inspired me to compose a new album. <laughs> yes? Oh, li listen, listen to it. Da, 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 dee, Quang, 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 quang. Da, da, dee, dee, dee. Quang, 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 quang. You know that could become popular in time. You just composed that? Oh, isn't it cute? Oh, Berezovsky, you genius. <laughs> Excuse me mentioning it, Count, but have you ever heard of Johann Strauss? A very jealous man who hates me. <laughs> I can understand why. Now, about the marriage proposal. Oh, yes. Chew these little tears out of your professor. I don't want my choice of a wife to be influenced by a pretty face. <laughs> all right, all right, girl. Dismiss. Disappear. Oh, 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 oh. Well, Count. Which one of my dancers do you like best? Well, now tell me, but which one owns a smooth break? Musetta. She's had it since she was a small girl. Oh, then I'm in love with Musetta. No, she doesn't know. But she's the daughter of Sixty King and the only heir to one of the rich fortunes in Hungary. Do you mean to say that your excellency would marry for money? After all... Your title will sometimes try eating a title between two slices of pumpernickel. <laughs> now go and call her. Very well, very well. Use that. Come out into the garden. Yes, Professor Use that. You have always done as I have asked you, haven't you? It's my one rule in life, Professor. Always do as we're told. My age is good on my phone and I press the same in book. That it doesn't matter what a girl may wear or how she looks. He never should be frivolous. He never should be bold. My grandma says, my darling, always do as you are told. When grandma said, don't have to damn, I minded her request. I did not care a bit for them. I like the jelly best. Punctual of meals, she said, or I will have to scold. And I was always there. You see, I did as I was called. Always do as people say you should. You never can be happy, child, unless you're good. I do as I am told. I'm just as good as gold.
give me time enough to compose a brand new wedding march, especially for the occasion. Uh, let, let's see. Oh, oh, no, I have it. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. You know, that could become popular in time. Well, see you in an hour, my little bride. Come, Professor. Da, is that great? Oh, what shall I do? Can I help you, little musician? Who are you? A friend. My name is Shandor. You're a gypsy. Yes. I seem to know your face. And yet we've never met before, have we? Perhaps. Perhaps not. Oh, where was it? How do I know you? Oh, let me see your hand. My hand? Do you tell fortune? Yes. But only gypsies tell fortune. What did you learn? I don't know. What do you read in my hand? Oh, a great love of freedom. Of the green forest, the open sky, the stars at night. That's my lifeline. Tell me, what do you read in my heart line, little fortune teller? A girl. One girl. With dark eyes that shine like stars. Oh, who are you? Where have we met? Perhaps long ago in the green forest, where the gypsies live. The birds of the forest are calling for thee. And the shades and the glades are lonely. Summer is there with her blossoms fair. And you are and lonely. No bird that rests in the greenwood tree but sighs to greet you and kiss. safe return, but most of all, I miss you. my little kitty, of the
Well, why not? Well, he will search for me and find me and take me back to the city. And yet, I wish I could spend all of my life here. In the forest, everywhere, every flower seems to be in love. Even a few of the people. Do you suppose that's what's wrong with me? What is this strange Idea for a song. 
Wait, I have the melody. La da da, my little gypsy sweetheart. Uh, uh, uh. You know, <laughs> you know that that could become popular in time if I leave it alone. <laughs> well, little fortune teller, can you still read the future? I think so. Look in your own hand. What do you see there? I see a life full of happiness and golden dreams for a man named Chandor and his gypsy sweetheart. Thank you, Nadine Connor, for your wonderful performance. And our thanks also to Jim Backus, who was Count Berezowski, and to Earl Ross, who was Fresco, our entire company. The Fortune Teller was booked in lyrics by Harry B. Smith, music by Victor Herbert, and dramatized for the Railroad Hour by Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroad. Today's headlines tell the story of a busy, productive American preparing to defend itself. Hundreds of thousands of men are being trained and equipped. Training bases are being reopened and improved. Research into many fields is being expanded. Production of all kinds stepped up. New and massive weapons are being turned out. And moving the millions of tons of raw materials and finished products needed is a job for the railroad. A job for the railroad. Or, as has been shown time and again, when it comes to moving great volumes of freight, dependently, efficiently, and economically, no other form of transportation can equal or even approach the railroad. Well, folks, next week the Railroad Hour presents something very special. The world premiere of a new musical play, Annie Lloyd. It was written by the young Broadway playwrights Lawrence and Lee, who have dramatized many of your favorite Railroad Hour productions. Dorothy Warrenshold will play the title role of Annie Laurie, and I'll be the wonderful poet Robert Burns, and sing some of the songs he made immortal. So don't miss our pre-Broadway preview of this exciting romantic new musical. Oh, boy! Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next week, this is Gordon McRae saying goodbye. <laughs> Teller was presented by special arrangement with Sam Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae can be seen starring in the Warner Brothers production, The West Point Story. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroad. And now keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC.